With frequent wildfires contributing to airborne pollution, the harmful effects of inflammation and free radical exposure are of particular concern. But you can buttress your natural defenses with nutritional support from my friends at NT Factor. Free radicals are highly unstable molecules that can trigger cell damage, leaving your cells less equipped to utilize oxygen. NT Factor's Breakthrough Lipids formula restores energy and undoes the damage to cells caused by free radicals. Breathe Clear with NT Factor combines the benefits of NT Factor with quercetin, a powerful bioflavonoid. In addition to its antioxidant properties, quercetin is an anti-inflammatory. It works to open up the nasal and respiratory passages. For a limited time, buy one container of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get a bottle of Breathe Clear with NT Factor free. Just go to ntfactor.com, that's ntfactor.com, or call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158. This summer, arm yourself with the protective power of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get Breathe Clear with NT Factor absolutely free and breathe freely while supporting your body's fight against free radicals. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest is the author of the book, Unsafe at Any Meal. She's an expert on environmental health, and she's very, very well aware of a wide range of environmental toxins that threaten us. That's the theme of today's program. Uh, She's bringing us an update because uh, her book, uh, Unsafe at Any Meal, uh, has now been published as an audio book. And you could purchase Unsafe at Any Meal, the usual sources, Amazon.com, or you can go to squareonepublishers.com. Uh, Dr. Dufault's name is spelled D-U-F-A-U-L-T, like Dufault. That's pronounced Dufault. Dr. Dufault became a medical laboratory specialist in the U.S. Army. And after a four-year stint, She earned a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Policy Analysis at UC Davis. The Gen then served in the Navy as an industrial hygiene officer. Then she transferred to the Public Health Service. She became an environmental health officer there. So deep history in environmental health. She also worked at the National Institutes of Health, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the Food and Drug Administration. And she provided expertise in toxicology, environmental health, and industrial hygiene. Uh, She is founding executive director of the Food Ingredient and Health Research Institute and collaborates with scientists worldwide to conduct studies and publish papers focusing on the many toxic substances still that unfortunately are present in our food supply. Uh, She is a worldwide speaker, numerous articles published in peer-reviewed journals. And so without further ado, here's Dr. DeVoe. Dr. Folk, pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. I know that uh, we did an initial interview with you when the book first came out a couple of years ago. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for inviting me to come back and provide more information, Dr. Hoffman. I really appreciate it. Well, indeed. So you're, uh, the big issue that uh, you highlighted while at the FDA was the discovery that mercury was contaminating the plumbing systems of many food manufacturing plants. So... Uh, You know, even if you have a good plumbing system and even if you scrupulously avoid uh, those 
fish that are high in mercury. Perhaps uh, you're concerned about your dental fillings, so you've had those removed and replaced uh, with uh, non-mercury-containing fillings. Uh, in spite of that, it's coming through to us in the food supply, right? Right, and it's really not. Uh, I, I discovered mercury in research laboratories, not food uh, manufacturing plants. And the mercury in the uh, research laboratories came from chemicals that uh, are also used by food manufacturing companies. So it's the chemicals that have uh, trace amounts of mercury in them, and the same chemicals are used in uh, manufacturing processed foods. And so um, the other thing is that uh, certain mercury compounds, like mercuric chloride, for example, is actually used in some manufacturing processes. For example, the uh, uh, cornstarch, before they start making it into other products, is they apply mercuric chloride to this directly on the starch to uh, kill bacteria that would otherwise, you know, um, destroy the integrity of the starch. So that that's one source of mercury that gets in high fructose corn syrup, as well as the use of uh, sometimes use. You know, uh, it's I don't know. You, there's no way of knowing when they use mercury grade chloralkylite chemicals in their process. But for sure, according to the trade journals, the manufacturing journals, they apply the mercuric chloride at the, to the uh, cornstarch at the front end of the process. So the mercury in the corn sweeteners that can then occur as a residue has been documented in by numerous scientists and um, also the harm that that particular ingredient high fructose corn syrup does on human metabolism is well documented and, so that's and, and just we, one of those and we tend to think of it because it delivers a, a high amount of uh, you know high glycemic uh, carbohydrate uh, it's a refined sugar and so it does a number on our uh, insulin receptors and promotes obesity. But is it possible that some of the harm that is caused by the enormous amounts of high fructose corn syrup that we consume is due to contamination with mercury? Uh, well, uh, it, that would, you know, I think the greater harm is, is the uh, fact that when humans consume high fructose, fructose corn syrup, they can... Uh, that can lead to mineral imbalances. And uh, one USDA scientist looked at uh, adult males, men, humans, and found that the uh, consumption of the high fructose corn syrup could lead to calcium losses, which would then, uh, which is a huge concern as you consume this over time, leading to potential problems like osteoporosis in old age. And about calcium. It's so important in so many bodily functions. You know, in the case of uh, autism, for example, calcium is the, a fundamental element for uh, creating an enzyme, paraoxinase, which is needed by the body to break down pesticides. So if, you, if you're consuming, uh, you know, a lot of high fructose corn syrup, then your body may not be able to break down uh, organophosphate pesticide residues that are found in the food supply. So the mineral losses and imbalances that are created from the consumption of high fructose corn syrup, that's a real issue uh, behind the scenes, uh, underlying issue behind many of these uh, disease, uh, diseases that we get as a result of eating these, this highly processed 
uh, diet, you know, like uh, diabetes and, you know, heart disease and all that. Calcium is such an important element in so many body bodily functions. Is it fair to say that uh, the presence of mercury uh, conspires with other toxins to uh, amp up their uh, potential to cause harm in the body? Oh, absolutely. Like, for example, uh, mercury in the blood, uh, inorganic mercury in particular, has been, we, we did a clinical trial and found that the more processed foods you eat, the higher the inorganic mercury in your blood, and also the higher your fasting glucose levels. So that there's a direct connection to, uh, and we also uh, looked at this, found the same uh, uh, relationship used, uh, analyzing NHANES data, which was a huge data set. So uh, bottom line is uh, the processed foods are a source of uh, heavy metals, including mercury, lead, arsenic, and uh, uh, and these these uh, small exposures over time can accumulate in our blood and in body fluids in our tissues, brain, and so on, and lead to all sorts of problems later on down the road. And these heavy metals also can suppress important genes and, uh, you know, that that we need to have operating properly in order to produce the pro- proteins and enzymes, you know, that we need. When you worked at the Food and Drug Administration, you brought this to the attention of uh, your superiors there at uh, powers that be at FDA. Uh, how was that received well, first of all, back in those days, which we're talking 17 years ago, nobody knew about epigenetics. They didn't know about gene-environment interactions. So, you know, on face value of just mercury and high fructose corn syrup, they were not alarmed because the law allows uh, a, a, a certain amount of mercury, lead, and arsenic in, in food ingredients. There are certain food ingredients. You go to the uh, Title 21 of the Code of Federal Regulations, which is the Food and Drug Administration's regulations and it tells you right there how much 10 parts per million lead is allowed in yellow number five yellow number six and one part per million mercury is allowed in those uh, uh, particular uh, food colors and also uh, three parts per million arsenic and those particular food ingredients are actually made from petroleum that you get from the ground so they're the, the food ingredients uh, you know they expect uh, those particular food colors to have uh, heavy metals in them because they come from petroleum, which is, mm-hmm. you know, these heavy metals, that's where they are. And so um, those particular food ingredients were grandfathered in to the food supply before there was even an FDA. So uh, other countries have banned those particular food ingredients. Or in Europe, for example, uh, they have they have a requirement that if you're going to have yellow 5, yellow 6, red 40, and some other synthetic food colors, in your food, then you have to put a warning label on the packaging. And that warning label has to say, may cause hyperactivity and inattention in children. So, you know, we don't have warning labels in our country for the food ingredients that are, uh, you know, have heavy metals in them and are allowed to have heavy metals in them. And we, you know, it just is what it is. We have a different kind of system, economic system here, different kind of uh, way of operating. Absolutely. We sort of... uh Footloose and fancy free. It's a little bit of a free fire zone, uh, you know, with uh, when it comes to uh, regulation. Uh, so you, uh, as uh, someone in the belly of the beast of the FDA, uh, you were there for several years. Uh, ultimately, you made the decision to to leave the FDA. Was was it out of frustration with the bureaucratic inertia? 
Well, I wanted to pursue that line of research because I believed it was going to be causing harm. In the, you know, I just foresaw that, you know, everything I read, that there, it wasn't good for consumers and they didn't want me to publish the, the finding. And they didn't want me to publish the model that I later published explaining how these heavy metals cause harm uh, to our genes and so on. And um, all of that's been published now in many, many hundreds of citations. So I was right to retire early. It was important to get that foundational science done so that others, even if it's not in the U.S., but others in the world can follow up on it and, uh, and do the right things, at least where they're living. And that way, the uh, neurodevelopmental uh, aspects of uh, children are, you know, children need to be protected. And, um, you know, if you want to have healthy birth outcomes and healthy development of children, then you have to have what a better food supply. And here in the U.S., we have baby formulas that are comprised predominantly of corn syrup solids and vegetable oils, both of which are known to contain uh, heavy metals. And, you know, that's why uh, Congress just uh, two, two times in 2021, uh, February of last year, and then again in September, released a report saying uh, uh, all the heavy metals in the baby foods, you know. So they know what's going on here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's just there is a, a no will, no political will to fix the system because the system is designed for the bottom line. and It's a free market economy. You know, you can sell whatever you want as long as it doesn't kill anybody in 24 hours. Right. Is it possible that uh, <laughs> some people, well, you know, I think you're stating it, you know, very frankly there. Uh, is it possible that some people uh, who have uh, the right kind of genetic makeup uh, may survive the onslaught of these chemicals because not everyone uh, is getting sick. Uh, whereas other people who have Absolutely. faulty detoxification pathways or some genetic proclivity to not uh, handling these chemicals well, that those are the ones who are most susceptible. Well, it's just like with the, you know, getting a virus, right? If you have underlying conditions like, you know, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, whatever, you're more prone to having a, a worse outcome if, if a, there's a virus floating around. And it's the same with any other disease, Western disease. If you uh, have a diet high in processed foods and you're not eating enough of those healthy, whole, you know, very nutritious uh, fruits and vegetables and so on, then you're not getting the, the your body's not getting the, the crucial micronutrients that it needs in order to operate properly. So what it's getting with a diet high in highly processed foods is an onslaught of heavy metals and, and pesticides that accumulate over time and uh, because you're not eating enough of these whole healthy foods. So the key is healthy diet. So if anybody has a healthy diet with the five to seven fruits and vegetables every day and, you know, they're staying away from the highly processed foods, then they're going to be le less likely to have an, these underlying conditions and all these, these diseases that might pop up that are diet related. Now, everybody's got a set of genes and you get what you get, but uh, the only, uh, you know, very few diseases are, are linked to a given gene in all actuality. You know, we know of some diseases that are caused by definitively by this or that gene, but for the most part, many of the diseases that we are dying from are diet related. Mm -hmm. And it's about susceptibility. It's about some people may be more susceptible than others. It sounds like, you know, the strategy that you're outlining is to avoid as much as possible exposure to these, unfortunately, ubiquitous agents, some of which are 
impossible to avoid, but you can minimize your exposure, uh, as well as uh, eating a healthy diet, perhaps taking certain supplements if you need supplementation uh, to rev your detoxification pathways to help your body uh, better cope with the small amounts of toxins that still kind of get in under the wire. Right. I just recommend whole foods and uh, organic whenever possible. I don't I don't uh, recommend the use of supplements because uh, I worked at FDA and they're not very well regulated. And so you don't know what you're getting. And uh, it, if you can garden in the uh, summer and then can your own stuff or, or, or when the uh, seasonal fruits and vegetables come out, if you can get them frozen, put them in your freezer and uh, buy, you know, buy uh, farm produce close to you. Uh, you know, you just have to have a different strategy for eating. And I think uh, that's the way to do it. Well, it seems that the the nervous system is most exquisitely sensitive to these uh, chemicals. What are some of the disorders that we can link to exposure to environmental chemicals? Well, we know for sure that uh, Parkinson's and uh, uh, Alzheimer's are related to pesticides. There's lots and lots of, uh, you know, studies out there showing that. And um, um, so, you know, pesticides are definitely neurotoxic. And then we drew the link between the mercury, inorganic mercury, from processed foods and diabetes. I mean, nobody's really uh, – there's a – four or five citations now on that paper, but the, that needs to be uh, investigated more closely. Um, and so that's clearly, you know, uh, it's all about the processed foods there. And then the hypertension, I mean, the Institute of Medicine has talked about it for years, that the sodium chemicals, people think sodium salt, you know, they think salt from the shaker, but there's all these sodium chemicals out there that are in the food supply, and, and uh, that is the, the direct cause of hypertension. And Institute of Medicine had come out with that already. And so this year, the one that just passed is the first time FDA has ever listened to Institute of Medicine and said, well, let's, now they're advising, not, not mandating, but advising food manufacturers to reduce the sodium chemicals. So, I mean. Well, that, that sounds kind of like uh, weak tea, you know, with advising, <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, but, you know, should you happen to put some of those things in there, uh, we'll let it slide. Yeah. Well, FDA now has a web page that's t- talking about that they know there's heavy metal problem in the food supply. That's This is the first year they've okay. ever done that. Oh, so now at least they're admitting you can't fix a problem until you admit you have one. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's all these competing interests, of course, that are going to beat that down as best that they've beaten down any effort to try to improve the food supply. So, you know, I will see how it goes, but uh, there has to be political will. And the bottom line is... Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. What about uh, Alzheimer's and dementia? Is there evidence that uh, some of these things are implicated in uh, cognitive decline? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in the environmental health uh, uh, medicine uh, type journals, there's numerous, numerous hundreds, if not thousands of articles showing the link between heavy metals and these uh, development of these diseases as well as pesticides. So, um, there's absolutely no uh, doubt in it whatsoever. And at the other end of the age spectrum, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, back and forth about uh, 
uh, mercury containing vaccines and you know then studies have exonerated them when it comes to the incidence of autism but still it, it's a concern because of its neurotoxic at one age, end of the age right. spectrum uh, what about sensitive children and at the, absolutely i mean even the the food like fda and uh, the congress and everyone is shouting right now at the moment about the heavy metals and the foods that children eat even the world health organization came out and said they want data on the heavy metals in the foods that kids eat. So it's a worldwide problem. And uh, part of it has to do with the manufacturing processes. And the manufacturers are using uh, substances that are known to contain heavy metals and allowed to contain heavy metals. Like the, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, these are the secrets that are coming out. And it comes to shelf life, product shelf life. You know, if these... Heavy metals are toxic to us. They're toxic to bacteria. For example, the chlorine used to bleach flour has mm -hmm. allowable lead and mercury. And uh, the mercury-grade chlorine is preferable to, because it has that mercury, because mercury, a little bit of mercury residue in, in uh, flour from the chlorine is what keeps the mold away. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Lead and paint, you know, that was to prevent uh, uh, mold from uh, painted surfaces. So we know that these heavy metals have a uh, useful, um, you are useful in terms of shelf life or, you know, the prevention of, uh, of biological growth, whether it be bacterial or, or mold. What about uh, cadmium? Some of our guests have pointed out that uh, cadmium is a little recognized uh, environmental toxin that uh, may actually account for higher incidence of hypertension. Uh, also arsenic, you know, we tend to think of arsenic and old lace, like who's trying to poison right. me. But, uh, you know, there is arsenic, uh, arsenic residues in certain foods. Uh, Absolutely. Potentially at a like, level like to the, affect metabolism. Absolutely. I mean, look at here in the, my book in uh, fourth chapter that talks about heavy metals and caramel, the food coloring caramel. There's three parts per million arsenic allowed in there, 10 parts per million lead. And, uh, you know, arsenic's allowed in a lot of things, titanium dioxide, anato, beta-carotene, carrageenan. Uh, and these things aren't allowed in just because they're allowed. They're not allowed across the board for every single ingredient. <laughs> they're allowed in the ingredients that are expected to have them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's just so, part, part of the processing. Uh, it's, it's not like they add it, you know, for, exactly. for you know, for, for giggles, you know. They, right. It, it's just part of yeah. that uh, highly processed, uh, industrialized uh, chemistry that is required to right. make these very purified compounds. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, good point at which to pause yeah. because uh, we're, we're going to uh, delve further into the issue of environmental toxicity. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, pesticides. Uh, an issue that you also talk about in Unsafe at Any Meal. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, solutions. How can you protect yourself from exposure uh, to high levels of some of these things that are ubiquitous, unfortunately, but there are ways to mitigate one's risk. Uh, the book is Unsafe at Any Meal. Our guest, Dr. Renee Dufault. It's, if you want to look her up, it's D-U-F-A-U-L-T. Uh, her book's available, of course, at usual places, Amazon.com. Also, uh, you can go to the publisher's website, squareonepublishers.com. And uh, there's also, uh, uh, Dr. Dufault, there's a, now an audio book available. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, great. So that makes it very accessible 
to virtually everyone, and I recommend it highly. It's a great book. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.